Welcome to Kuhau Podcast. We thank you for tuning in. If this is your first time listening in with us, we want you to know that you are a part of a new loving family. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope that this message encourages you and transforms your life. Now stay tuned for today's message. Mark chapter 9, and it says this, it says, when Jesus saw the crowd of onlookers, of onlookers was growing, he rebuked the evil spirit. Listen, you spirit that makes this boy unable to hear and speak, he said. I command you to come out of this child and never enter him again. Then the spirit screamed and threw the boy into another violent convulsion and left him. The boy appeared to be dead. A murmur ran through the crowd as people said, he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and helped him to his feet. And he stood up. Afterwards, when Jesus was alone in the house with his disciples, they asked, why couldn't we cast out the evil spirit? Jesus replied, watch this, this kind can be cast out only, someone shout only, by prayer. By prayer. The New Living Translation, if we can bring that up. It says, after Jesus had gone indoors, his disciples asked him privately, why couldn't we drive the spirit out? only prayer can drive this kind out answered Jesus nothing else can I want to talk to you on the subject of today's message I want you to look at a person next to you and tell them the subject today's message tell them not just a weekend getaway but look at looking dead in there by the way we are a talk back church so if you hear something good you say amen someone shout amen someone say go ahead preacher And if it's really good, you can say, take your time, take your time, take your time. Um, Why don't you help me pray today as you're just entering God's word. God, we thank you for your word today. We truly believe that your word is going forth today and it is challenging us to live out this relationship with you. Because you first loved us. We treasure these moments that we have together. And we pray that your will be done here today. I thank you, Lord, that you gave me the amazing opportunity to pastor the most amazing church on Staten Island, that I'm the father to some amazing children, and I get to be married to the hottest woman on the planet, Lisa Remedios. In Jesus' name, we pray, and God's people shout. Come on, if you love Jesus this morning, give him a shout of praise in this house. Uh, How many of you, uh, by a show of hands, how many of you guys love vacations? Does anybody love vacation? If you love a vacation, why don't you raise your hand? I just love vacation. I love vacation more than a vacation. I don't know about you, but vacations are a little interesting sometimes because sometimes, I don't know, you need a vacation from the vacation. So I think what the answer to that is, is a weekend getaway. Anybody like, if you're in a relationship and if you're, you have your, your, your husband or your wife and, and you ever been to a weekend getaway? Uh, I love weekend getaways because the truth is that everything is, is great during weekend getaways. I love me some weekend getaways and... Uh, uh, there's no kids, right? There's no clocking in. There's no clocking out. There's no, Daddy, I want milk. There's no, Daddy, I can't find my sock. And it's right there in front of you. But that's beside the point. Um, 
Uh, there's no daddy knocking on the door, daddy, daddy, daddy. There's none of that happening when you're on a weekend getaway. And so my wife and I, this, this summer, I said, baby, I'm taking you to Barbados. And she looked at me, she said, Barbados? And I said, I looked at my wallet and I said, <clears throat> Atlantic City. And I took her to Atlantic City this summer. And, and, and so we went to Atlantic City. And, and let me tell you, I, I love going on a weekend getaway with my wife. Uh, because, you know, my wife is not really, uh, I love something about my wife is that she is extremely humble. My wife is, uh, she's the most modest person. I'm like, I argue with her sometimes. I'm like, man, how does it feel to be that good looking? I, I like, I, 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 you know, I'd be envious of my wife. Like, I'm the, probably the only husband here that looks at their wife and be like, am I as good looking as you are good looking? Am I good? And she's like, of course, baby. You're the most gorgeous man on earth. That is the only time you can lie to your husband. But <laughs> this is a true story. I'm not even making this up. <laughs> I'm like, baby, am I as good looking as a man as you are as a, a woman? And she's like, baby, you're even better looking. And I said, I knew the answer to that. I was just checking. But uh, uh, she's the most modest person, and, and, uh, and God knows the gifts that he gives people, because if he gave me her gift, you'd be in trouble. But uh, we would, in weekend getaways, my wife is, is a different person. Because in weekend getaways, see, here on earth, she's in planet, but when we go to another planet called weekend getaways, my wife is a different person, because she'd be feeling herself. Like, they have big mirrors in the hotel that we stay at, you know? You know, like, let me show you when we went to Atlantic City. A couple of, look at that. We were just chilling. And I love because, you know, she's not, my, my wife is not, uh, she's not a mom. She's not a sister. Nope. She is not pastora. Nope. She's absolutely mine. And that's why I love Weekend Getaways. Uh, show you a couple of pictures. This is the Remedios Getaways. Just us. We're having a good old time. What else we got? Look at that. And I'm always catching somebody. You can't sleep on me, even on weekend getaways. But I love it because you go to, you know, you go to the hotel. My, my wife is, you know, she's feeling herself, and she'd be like, baby. She's, you know, they got the big mirrors. She's like, all oh, this is yours right here. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, that's right, baby. That's right, girl. That's my right there. The Lord blessed me. But an awesome woman. Love weekend getaways, and there's no need for keys. Who needs keys when you got access cards, right? Who needs doing your bed? That's the thing of the past because you could walk out with your, dead com your bed completely undone. When you walk back in, that thing looks as beautiful as it could ever look. Vacuum. Who needs a vacuum when you're on weekend getaways? Nobody. Watch these crumbs. They will be here today, and when I walk out and come back, those crumbs will be gone. I love weekend getaways, and there's something about weekend getaways that for some reason you actually leave with more towels than what you came in with. But that's why you guys are here today, and you need to repent from that. You know what I'm talking about? Weekend Getaways, I love me. Who we budget? We're going out to eat. Let's get the lobster, baby. Baby, you can have the lobster, but you don't eat fish. I know, but I just want to look at it because we're on a weekend getaway. Weekend getaways are amazing, and I love weekend getaways, man. I love having a good time with my wife when there's no care in the world. But I want to admit to you today that 
You know that weekend getaways have been a blessing to my marriage, but you know that they are not the thing that sustains a healthy relationship. Do you know that they are beautiful and they are supplementary to my relationship with my wife, but they are not the thing that sustains a healthy, strong, growing relationship in love with my wife? And I use that as an example because I really believe that God wants to be more than a weekend getaway in our life. Did you know that God wants to be more than a weekend getaway for you? Did you know that God wants to be your mailing address? Do you know that God wants to be more than a Sunday destination for your life and a, and a chair in Maui, Maui Beach? God wants to be your residence. God wants to come into your life and he wants to unpack but not to visit. He wants to reside in your life. He wants you to have a continuous, ongoing, continuous flow, committed relationship with you where it's not just visitation, but he's coming to actually have his residence in you. If there's anybody here that knows what I'm talking about, give God some praise in this house. He wants to be more than a weekend getaway in your life. And I think that they're supplementary. There's a lot of things in our faith walk that are supplementary. There's so many things that we can do that have added value to our relationship and our walk with Jesus Christ. But I want to be honest, there is nothing in your relationship with God that will do you better than understanding the power of prayer. There's nothing that's going to transform your heart. There's nothing that's going to change your life. There's nothing that's going to actually have you walk in your purpose as your continuous, ongoing, frequent communication with your creator. I think many times the way we see prayer is we see it as a response to our situations. We look at our situations and we say, okay, I'm going to pray about that. We look at a, a circumstance and we say, I'm going to pray about that. But the first thing I want to shout to you today is this, that prayer is never meant to be a final option, but to be made at your first opportunity. Do we have that up? In prayer, we approach God at our first opportunity, not just as a last option. And so many times we look at our situation and we use prayer, watch this, we want to pray as a response to our situation when actually your situation was meant to respond to your prayer life, my God. So much in our life is like we see something happen and then we want to pray about it. And that's fine because prayer is not limited to that. You can pray. But what I'm saying is this, is that we only limit our prayer life to responding or as a last option in our life. We're never going to get the fullness of what God has prepared for our life. And so if we only pray for something to happen when something happens, we'll never see all that God wants to happen in your life. And so prayer, we approach God at our first opportunity, not just as, our, as a final option. Have you ever said, I'm going to pray about that? Have you ever said, all we got is prayer? Isn't that, hasn't that been all of us? And we say, all, all, we have is, all we have is prayer. All I could do is pray. And I think that's, uh, that's, that's well-meaning when we say it. But I think it also comes with a mindset that, or it has this indication that we're going to pray like it's the last kid picked on dodgeball. And God is saying, listen, I'm more than the last kid picked on dodgeball. 
I should be the starting lineup. I should be praying at your first opportunity and every opportunity. I, I should be connecting with you and communing with you, and I shouldn't just be a, 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 an antenna that you throw up or a bat sign that goes up simply when you need my help. I want to show you that you don't need to... You don't need to allow your prayer life to be a response to your situations, but you can live a life where you will see your situations start responding to the kind of prayer life that you have. Come on, if you're going to clap, clap for real. Give God some praise in this house. See, but God is saying to us today that prayer is not just something we engage in as a last resort but as our first response. He wants to commune with us. He wants to connect with us on a regular, daily basis. What we see in this passage in Mark chapter 9 is, it says, after Jesus had gone indoors, his disciples asked him privately, why couldn't we drive out, drive the spirit out? Only prayer, watch this, only prayer can drive this kind out, answered Jesus. Nothing else can. Did you catch the implications of that? See, Jesus, he, he steps into the scene. He, he sees an argument taking place between the disciples and, 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 and this man. And they're arguing back and forth. And I could imagine Jesus. Jesus is saying, oh, Ooh, I got to get this on YouTube. Hold on a second. Come here, come here. Cameras come here. The camera pans over to the scene. Now you see the disciples arguing, and the, the man comes to Jesus, and he says, Jesus, I came to your disciples, and they weren't able to do what I expected of them to do. It's funny sometimes how when, how, when others, people, other people that don't know God come to the people that don't know God and don't get what they expect from, to get from God. You'll get that on the way home. <laughs> and they come to the disciples, and they say, Hey, my son is ill. My son needs to be delivered. My son needs to be set free. And as they pray, they see that nothing happens. Jesus steps into the scene, and Jesus doesn't correct them in public, but he goes and he says, in the name of Jesus, he prays, he heals this child. His child is delivered. This child is now set free. And now the disciples come and be like, what in the world did we do wrong? What in the world? So they come to Jesus and like, yo, Jesus, we're going to take this L real quick. I know we, we're going to take this loss. But why couldn't we do that? Why, why couldn't we do that? And Jesus says, listen, man, I don't know how to break the news to you. But in the beginning of this ministry, I taught you how to pray. And what you're doing is that you're praying as a response. But you're not in constant relationship. See, what he's saying is, he's saying this. He's saying, listen. You're trying to perform in public when you need to learn how to prepare in private. And the second thing I want to tell you today is this. Before you can ever win the war in public, you have to learn how to prepare for battle in private. I don't know who I'm talking to today, but I really believe that I'm speaking to some hearts today. Even if it's one person in this house, I believe there are things that we're trying to accomplish in the natural that God is saying the only way you're going to win that war is when you learn how to win the battle in prayer. The only way you're going to be able to perform in public is learning how to be prepared in 
private. And there's so many battles in our lives that we're trying to win in the natural. We're trying to win a supernatural war through very natural means. And God is saying natural means will never be able to overcome this battle. You got to learn how to press in in prayer. You got to learn how to have a relationship in prayer in order for one day for you to perform in public. See, before you can win the war in public, you have to learn how to prepare for battle in private. Write this down. Before public demonstration, there needs to be private dedication. Before public demonstration, there needs to be private dedication. So many times in our lives, we, we, can, you, can you imagine how frustrated we get with the, the lack of response in our life and, and oh my gosh, well, what's happening with my marriage? What's happening with my finances? And God is saying, you're looking to resolve a problem in the natural that can only be resolved in the supernatural. You're looking to resolve a, a problem on the outside that can only be resolved on the inside. And what happens is, is the same thing that happened to the disciples. They ended up arguing with the very thing they were supposed to set free. And so whenever you try to overcome a problem that is meant to be resolved in the supernatural, through natural means, you will always enter conflict. Is there tension in your life today? Is there conflict? Is there unresolved issues? Can it be that God is still waiting for you? He's saying, my son and my daughter, you have the victory. You have, you have won the battle, but you need to learn how to resolve this battle in private before it ever manifests in public. You need how to learn how to seek me. This is what the disciples were experiencing. Jesus is saying, listen, I taught you how to pray. The problem is you haven't put it to practice. Jesus is saying, listen, I taught you how to seek God. I've modeled it. I've, I've walked every single morning and sought my Father so that you can do the same. But you're looking, you're doing the same motions, experiencing different results because you're trying to win a war in the natural that can only be won in the supernatural. I want to tell somebody today, before you can win the war in public, you have to learn how to be prepared for battle. In private. And some of us just need to learn how to press in a little. Some of, us, some of us just need to see God in our face. You know what? Stop arguing with your husband. Stop arguing with your wife. Stop arguing with your children. Stop being frustrated at your boss. Stop being frustrated at your employees. Stop being frustrated at your coworkers. Stop being frustrated at the person that's involved in your life. Just seek God and pray for that person. Seek God for the issues that you have. You think anger is going to be one through natural means, God is saying, no, what it will take you six years to accomplish, I can do it in a minute. What will take you a lifetime to achieve, I can do it in a minute. You just got to learn how to seek me in private so that you can see my power being manifested in public. Because you need the power before you need the power. So you need the power of God before you need to use the power of God. And so many times we're going up for the dunk without the ball to dunk it with. And so you're missing something. And God is saying you're doing all the right motions except that you're forgetting. You need to be prepared for battle before you can win the war in public. See, David 
in the Bible, if you look at his life, this man is known as what? He's known for his public demonstration. But what you don't know is that there was a private dedication. If you would know about David, David would seek after God. David was a person that would, that, would, that would worship God in private and would see the demonstration of God's power in public. He's known as the giant killer. But before there ever was a giant killer, there was a lion slayer and a bear slayer. And so many of us want the Goliath story. <laughs> I've conquered my, Deliath, my Goliath. And God is saying, okay, I know you're crazy about conquering Goliath, but what I want you to do is first focus on conquering the lions and the bears in your life, and you will see that the natural progression of defeating the lion and the bear in private will lead you to overcome the giants in your life in public. See, we want the stage without the struggle. <laughs> we want the performance without the preparation. We want the anointing without doing the thing, I, I love how many times we look at other people's story and, and we say, oh, God, I wish I had that person's story. I look at their life and, man, they're, they're, man, they seem so anointed. They seem that they got it together. I can't tell you how many times people have looked at my marriage and, and they've said, man, your, your marriage is so amazing. I'm like, if you knew, if you knew the lions and the bears that we had to struggle with in private in order to conquer our Goliath in public. See, because Goliath, Goliath, the Goliath in your lives, do you know that there was no preparation outside of the lion in the bear? Do you know that he never intended to slay Goliath? Do you know that he never saw that for his future? That he was just bringing his brother's lunch and as he was bringing his brother's lunch, see, he didn't have it in his plans. But what he didn't understand is that that was the natural progression of overcoming what he's been overcoming in private. What is it in your life today that God is saying you're trying to overcome it through natural means that you need to overcome and win the battle first through supernatural means, a.k.a. seeking me in prayer? Am I, am I speaking to anyone today? Come on. Give me some feedback in this house. Daniel, Daniel sat in a den with lions. Can you imagine your life? I'm sitting in there with dozens of lions. But what you don't know about Daniel is that Daniel was a man of prayer. Daniel was a person that sought out God three times a day in private before you ever saw the public demonstration of his life. Before he can shut the, the mouth of the lions in the den, he was able to pray in private and seek after God. I want to tell you once again, before you can win the war in public, you have to learn to prepare for battle in private. If you believe that, give God some praise in this house. He looks at his disciples and he says, what you don't understand is that you think prayer is something you use to respond to your situation but this can only come out through prayer. He says, this can only come out. The, 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 what's, what's the this kind in your life? 
He says, this kind, this kind, this struggle that you're going through, this can only come out through prayer. This can only come out through prayer. This can only come out as a result of connecting with me. What does that mean? That means that it is just the natural progression of your relationship with God. You know why God uses people and you see in public what God is doing and you say that person is anointed? It's not that that person's anointed. It's that that person has been seeking God. I can't tell you how many times it's not that he's, it's not that they were good demon rebukers. Oh, he's so good at rebuking demons. No, rebuking demons is the natural progression of someone that's seeking God in private. Did you catch that? You know know what they said? How do we rebuke this demon? He says, that's the problem. (laughs) How come we couldn't rebuke this demon? And he's saying, because you're trying to become demon rebukers. When you should be prayers and intercessors. Did you catch that? This is the focus of your life. I'm trying to overcome anger. No, don't try to overcome anger. Let anger be the natural result. Let let you resolving anger be the natural result of your time spent with God. Because when you seek God and when you seek his presence, all of a sudden that anger and that rage begins to subside because God begins to change you and God begins to mold you. And it's not seven steps to uh, free of anger and seven steps to finances and six steps... God is saying it's just one step to me, and you will see that that will just be the natural progression of a relationship with me. If you believe that, give God some praise in this house. This is the problem is that you know the information, but you haven't applied it. That's the problem. The problem is, is that you're starting with the wrong question. You're saying, how could I become a demon slayer? And you should become an intercessor, a prayer warrior. He says, you know the information, but you haven't applied it. Has that been us sometimes? Well, we know, come on, you know, I know a lot of information that I haven't applied yet. Ask me how I know, ask me if I know how to lose weight. I've been on a diet for 15 years. (laughs) Ask me if I know how to lose weight. I know how to lose weight. The difference is... Applying it. Someone shout apply it. Someone shout apply it. See, they wanted the power of prayer without the practice of prayer. They wanted to be filled with God's word, but not necessarily apply God's word. See, are you doing what you already know or you just want a fresh word from God? God, I need a fresh word from you. God is saying, no, you still haven't done the thing that I told you yesterday. God, I need a fresh word. God is saying, no, I'm still waiting for the word that I told you to manifest in your life so that I can give you a fresh one. Because the the next word that I give in your life is, is, is an addition to your obedience to the previous word I gave you yesterday. And God is saying, I can't get you to stage two if you still haven't overcome the lion and the bear here. And so God is saying, I want you to apply it. Someone shout apply it. You know, in our faith journey, I, I want to give you four things that we, we talk about it every Sunday, but someone shout apply it. Someone shout apply it. In our, first, in, our, in our four-step journey, one of the first things that we say here at this church, man, we, we talk about knowing God. Someone shout know God. 
We talk about knowing God. And what does that mean for us as a church? We genuinely believe in your faith journey. It's, it's to know God. It's to have a relationship with him. It's to commune with him. It's to talk to him. It's to have him in your everyday life. It's to participate in conversations with him. It's to involve him in all your conversations. It's to know God. And we believe that in, as our church, the way we do this is we say, hey, listen, we want you to join us on Sunday. Someone shout Sunday. See, we're speaking about the first step of the journey, and the first step of the journey is to know God. The reason that we come together here on Sundays is not just to gather together, it's to know God together. It's not just to have our private uh, our time with the Lord, but it's, ha it's to have our corporate time with the Lord together. And that is to know God. Look what Hebrews chapter 10 says. It says, let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm. For God can be trusted to keep his promise. Watch this. It says, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. Now, how do we do that? And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. We believe that God is saying, listen, I want you to know me. And the way you do that is, listen, I need to know God with people. We need to stir each other up. We need to settle in our hearts. You know what? I, I, I pray that in 2018, we get to the day that coming to church on Sundays is no longer a struggle. Where's the Holy Spirit? I'm going to have to preach to the Holy Spirit here. Well, coming to church on Sundays is no longer a struggle. Can I preach? Someone shout amen. Coming to church is no longer a struggle where, where we're no longer debating. No, I want to go to church. I want to know God. Guess what? To, guess what? To, you coming to church doesn't make you saved. It doesn't. You coming to church doesn't make you saved. It doesn't mean that you have a, but it does mean that if, if you want to grow spiritually, how many of you know that coming to church is essential? And, and, and what the writer of Hebrews is saying, he said, listen, he said, you need to stir one another up. You need to gather with one another. You need to talk to each other. You need to be able to rub shoulders with someone. And it no longer needs to be a struggle. There are, and he says, there are people that have forsaken the gathering. They are forsaken the gathering. And I just pray that in 2018 we resolve in our hearts that coming to church, hey, listen, when it comes to 11 a.m., what, you want to invite me? Not, not on 11 a.m., not, not 11 a.m. on Sundays. Can someone give, come on, you, your faces are scaring me right now. Can someone, I'm talking to church people real quick, right? <laughs> We're coming to church. It's no longer an issue. It's funny because my son, he was, he was fighting my wife about wearing a jacket, right, going outside. He's like, I don't want to wear a jacket. And she's like, you're, she's like, you're mad about wearing a jacket in the winter. And I just thought that as, wow, that's crazy, the silliness, right, that we're fighting about wearing a jacket in the winter. What a struggle. I think that Sunday should look like that. That Sunday should no longer be an issue. When it comes to coming to fellowship with God, it should no longer be an issue. I shouldn't be debating whether I'm wearing a jacket. It's wintertime. I'm going to wear me a jacket. Guess it's Sunday, 11 a.m., guess where I'm going? I'm going to church, and I'm going to sing my way there. I'm not going to fight there. I'm not going to argue there. I'm going to sing my way there. I'm going to worship him. I'm going to walk through that down corridor, and I'm going to say, thank you, Jesus. I love you, God. I'm going to know you even deeper today. I think number two, we say find freedom. 
If you're in this community, if, if you're in this church community, one, one of the ways I say that people could learn the Bible and find freedom is to join a community group. It's to say, hey, man, I want a small group of people that I can rely on, some people that I can connect with intimately, some people that I can, that can, I, that I can converse with on Sundays. It's, a, it's a, a larger corporate gathering, but in community. And listen, if you don't have a community view, if you're not in community group, I want to tell you, get plugged in today. To get plugged in today if you're not in a community group. If, you're not, if you need a community group and you say, Pastor Ro, there's not one by my house, I would like to start one. Then get plugged in and make sure you sign up at Guest Connections and say, hey, listen, I would like to start a community group. And we will give you the steps on how to make that happen. Amen. The way you find freedom is in the context of community. That's where you're going to ask the questions. That's when you're going to resolve certain things that maybe you've been wrestling with. It's, it's, the Bible says iron sharpens iron so one man sharpens another. You know what you need in your life? Someone to sharpen you and for you to sharpen someone else. Guess where that happens? That happens in the context of community. And so I want to give a shout out to our Tompkins women's group that just launched this week. Come on, ladies. And we have our men's fellowship community group that is taking place at the same time, 7.30 on Friday nights in St. George. For some reason, the St. George men's group finishes in two hours and the women's group in Tompkinsville finishes in four hours. We have Mariners Harbors, Mariner Harbor in the house, aka Stapleton, I think now. We say, we say, this, we say also find freedom. We say discover purpose. Someone shout apply it. Apply. Shout apply it. Apply. Discover purpose. We need that. Discover purpose. Someone help me. Media. Discover purpose. How do we discover our purpose as a church community? We say, hey, the best way we can serve you as a church to discover your purpose is to get plugged into Growth Track. So far, I mean, we have almost about 50 students that have graduated from Growth Track. Can we give God some praise for that? Why? Because... I believe the moment you understand your purpose, the moment you know why you are in this planet, you want to serve God with all your heart, with all your might, with everything you have. I want to discover my purpose. And lastly, I want to make a difference. And that is part of being a serve team leader. And said, in this church, we have about 25 volunteers that have said, hey, we're going we're gonna to make a way for people to know the way Jesus Christ. And so there's, there's a group here from 7.30 in the morning. There's a group here at 8.30 in the morning. There's groups that come together and they serve the kingdom. Why? Because they want people to know Jesus. They want God to use them. They want to be a piece of what makes the church of God move forward and advance. And sometimes we're like, well, Pastor Ro, I'm just coming to church on Sundays. And that's part of it. And praise God that we're coming to church on Sundays. But I think that there's more to the story of what God wants to do in your life. Have you ever asked the question, like, what is the most important part of the car? I remember growing up, I used to ask my dad, like, Dad, what's the most important part of the car? And he used to tell me, well, the motor is. And I said, like, all right, cool. Yeah, the motor is the, the most important part of the car. And, and, and then I say, and then he'd check again. He'd be like, well, 
the motor could be intact, but if the battery's not there, the car ain't going nowhere. And then when he thought a little further, he'd be like, you know what, but if the starter don't work, it don't matter how good the motor is, and it doesn't matter how good the battery is, if the starter don't work, the car, the car ain't going nowhere. You know, and come to think about it, if the motor's good, but the, and the battery's good, and the starter's good, but the car got no wheels, that car ain't going nowhere. You know, if the motor's good, and the battery's good, and the wheels are good, but the transmission is shot, that car ain't going nowhere. <laughs> And see, I think in our own personal lives, when we take inventory, we've been looking at our lives and say, hey, we got a great motor running. And I think for the most part, God is saying, yeah, you got a great motor running, but there's other things in your life that I'm waiting for you to apply in your life. And maybe this season in 2018, God is saying, hey, listen, I need you to get a new pair of tires. I need you to get a new starter. I need you to get a new transmission. Why? Because I want you to be running in all cylinders and not just simply functioning at minimum capacity of your relationship with God. God is saying, I want the best for you this year. And in order for you to experience God's best, I need to give God my best. Is there anybody here in this place that'll say, God, I don't know about last year. Last year was last year. But this year, I declare that I'm going to be running on all, all cylinders. Come on, give God some praise in this room. Someone shout, apply it. Apply it. Jesus is saying, hey, man, I've been with you guys a while. I've been, I've been with you guys a while. But you guys haven't put it to practice. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. He said, I've been with you guys for a while now. But I'm still, I'm still waiting for you guys to practice this. And maybe you're saying, Pastor Rowe, you know, I feel inspired. I feel encouraged. I feel like... I want to run on all four cylinders. I want, to, I want to get all of what God has for me. But maybe you don't know how to. You ever walked into a service and it was powerful? And you walked out like, oh my goodness, that message was amazing. And someone's like, what was it about? I don't know, but it was awesome. Like, I don't know, Holy Spirit moved. It was just like, ah, oh, yeah. It's like, but what was it about? I don't know, but it was awesome. <laughs> and I think I thank God for messages like that, but I think sometimes we just need some practical handles in our lives that we can go home with. And God gives us this formula, and it's called the Lord's Prayer. And the Lord's Prayer, if we can put that up in Luke, it says, now it came to pass as he was praying in a certain place where he sees that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. So he said to them, when you pray, say, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us day by day our daily bread and forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And do not lead us into temptation but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory. Amen. Now Jesus, he breaks down prayer in three simple steps. Three simple things that we can maybe begin to practice as we go home. And that's number one, he says, adore. He says, what if you started prayer? I want you in your first 21 minutes of prayer this week. Say, God, I'm going to spend the first part of prayer just worshiping you. 
I'm going to spend the first part of, word, of, of prayer just making, making, you know what we do in prayer? Sometimes you ever ask, like, I don't really know what to pray about. Like, I just, I just, I gave him my prayer list and that's it. I walked away. God is saying prayer is more than just asking. Prayer is actually starting by adoring. It's adoration. It's worshiping God. It's saying, God, I, I love you. Can you imagine when you start your prayer life just exalting the name of God? You start your prayer life just worshiping Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord. God, you're so good. God, you're so great. You start thanking him. You know, it's hard to be angry and thankful at the same time. You know, it's hard to be joyful and angry at the same time. David said, encourage yourself in the Lord. And just worship God and lift up his name. A friend asked me, he said, he said, hey, man, I don't even know what to pray. I told him this exact thing, and now his prayer life is changed. I said, start worshiping in God. Number one, adore. Father, you're worthy. God, make much of God. Make much of him. God, be magnified in my life. Lord, you're worthy. Hallelujah. Yours is the glory. We worship you, Jesus. And then you kind of, you just, you start praying with who God is. Number two is admit. Continue prayer with what God has done. So he says, he says, our Father who are in heaven, that's how you start prayer, hallelujah, God, hallowed be thy name, right? And then he steps in and says, when you pray, our Father, hallowed be your kingdom come, he says, and for, forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who's indebted to us. He says, he says, thank, he says, start thanking God for who, for what he's done in your life. Maybe that's forgiveness of sins. Maybe that is forgiveness of sins. Say, so God, thank you for forgiving us of sins. And confess that. Admit God. God, you know, I messed up this week, but I know you're, you're faithful. And admitting also has to do with confessing. And sometimes when we enter prayer, the reason that we don't see results in our prayer is because we're not declaring the word of God. And simply what we need to do is admit that we are in need of God. Sometimes you just stay in prayer and just say, God, I need you. That's the truth. That's, that was my prayer this week. God, I'm messed up and I need you. Because I'm pretty polished on the outside, but if the church knew my mind in the inside, God, I need you. God, I'm, I need you in my life. And then I start allowing what his voice says over my life. I start declaring that I am the righteousness of God. I am forgiven of my sins, and therefore I can forgive others. I am, a, I am loved. Perfect love casts out all fear. I am more than a conqueror through Christ. I start now watch this watch this when you make much of God and you start adoring him and worshiping him and then you step into confessing who he says you are and being grateful for what he's called you to be now you start asking and you believe for what God is going to do but now your asking is not pleading <laughs> because slaves plead but sons know who they are and daughters know who they are. And so now you believe for what God is going to do in your life. And so your asking is even a little bit different because your asking has already been formed by your worship and your asking has already been formed by who he says you are. Now you can ask and you will see that maybe, just maybe, asking might be a little bit differently and maybe just maybe your percentage on prayers being answered will increase in 2018 because the thing that you're asking for has been molded and shaped 
by who you made him to be in your life and who he's declared you to be in this world. Can I ask you to get up on your feet at this moment? We hope you enjoyed this podcast. Our mission here at Christ Uncensored House of Worship is to love God, love people, and love life. Kuhau is a place where our story is still being written. Together, we can do more than we can ever do alone. If this message has encouraged you and you wish to partner with us in taking this message all across the world, go to kuhau.com slash give or follow us on any social media platform. Thank you in advance for your support and generosity. Come and begin a whole new journey with us.